0: Hello and welcome to episode 17 of the Nerd Culture Podcast. My name is David and with me are the NCP
1: crew, Richo.
2: Morning, Sam. Luke. Greetings,
1: culturalites.
3: And Crystal. Morning, Ralph.
1: I was glad somebody did it.
0: Nerd Culture Podcast is a fortnightly Australian podcast that focuses on nerd culture-related film, book and comic reviews with a healthy dose of opinion thrown in for good measure. <laughs> Not only do we have the podcast, we also have our website at www
3: nerdculturepodcast.com
0: which features additional content not found on the podcast itself uh, as, as uh, you may have noticed uh, regular listeners I, I'm back uh, I've, well, the sickness has passed the, the drugs obviously worked I just want to give uh, a shout out to Richard for his excellent job on the last two episodes very well done
2: why thank you and for all uh, you culturalites out there if you want me back just let us know, because, let's face facts, what I did was far superior to anything that uh, Dave has done on the 16 episodes before that.
1: <laughs> but you learnt from the master, that's what it was.
2: <laughs> breaking breaking news, the tyrant
1: Ritro was overthrown and the rightful ruler reinstated to the head of nerd culture. I
2: shall return!
1: <laughs> uh, it's good to be back, obviously
0: you can feel the love in the room. Uh, for this episode we have a popcorn junkie which we'll be discussing in the film Chronicle, and a featured discussion on NCP's Top 5 Heroes. Up first, some news. We don't normally do some news, uh, but there's been a couple of items that have occurred just recently that I thought we needed to touch on. First is the sad passing of uh, artist Al Rio. He's best known for his work on uh, Gen 13 and Lady Death, Purgatory, and a whole bunch of uh, good girl slash bad girl type comics, and also pinups. He leaves behind his wife and children, and uh, our well wishes go out to them. Sad news indeed. The other big news is uh, hit the interwebs like a bomb. Uh, DC Comics have announced they're releasing a set of specials called Before Watchmen, which are prequels to the undisputed classic (laughs) from Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons, uh, Watchmen from the 80s. It's Quite astounding, actually, the reaction. It's uh, a bit over the top in my
2: opinion. There's been quite a bit of, uh, quite a few tirades from people online about this uh, this project. Definitely.
0: I know. <laughs> I mean, there's no, there's no disputing that uh, Watchmen is, you know, a classic, and and uh, in my opinion, brilliant. And uh, but let's be honest here. I mean, it is it's it's a story that's <laughs> you know owned currently. I mean, currently owned by DC Comics and. They can do with it what they will. <laughs> it's mm. you know, it's it's a it's a business decision, and DC Comics are a business, and this is going to make a ridiculous amount of money.
4: Mm.
0: So, really, not much more you can do about that. Mm. I mean, well, just, I, mean the... I mean, should DC Comics have the rights to them? That's another issue. I, mean, I personally believe that uh, they gipped Moore in a major, major way, mm. and I'm on his side completely. Mm. Uh, but the fact is, they're the ones that are in control. Mm.
2: Well, it comes down to, a lot of the argument comes down to creative proprietorship. I mean, mm. should others be allowed to work on these characters? And a lot of people have sort of really gone out against that and said that, you know, really Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons should be the only people working on it and that it doesn't matter whether DC earns the characters or not. And yeah. uh, it doesn't help, of course, that Alan Moore himself has come out and attacked the project. Yeah. It's um, a... Interesting given that, uh, you know, he actually had planned to do some spin-off stuff. That's right. I mean, people keep forgetting
0: that, so. that when Watchmen was in, in, in production, like being released, he had specific mm-hmm. plans to do a Minutemen spin-off mm-hmm. and other stories in the universe. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. so it's not like he thought that the story was... I mean, yes, the story is complete and whole as of itself, mm-hmm. but even the creator thought, mm-hmm. hey, I can spin this off. This would be pretty cool.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, is it important that only he writes them? Oh, there's like tons of other comic heroes that have had... Lots of different mm. authors, some good, some bad. Who cares? And that's a that's, very good
1: point. And that's the argument that's been put forward um, for this. That you know, Alan, even Alan Moore himself, you know, started his career on
2: Swamp Thing, Mar- Swamp Thing Marvel Man. Um, characters owned by char- other by companies. Oh very wrote a very, very, very
1: famous Kill- the Killing Joke, which is a very famous Batman versus Joker story. Um, David said that the Watchmen characters are owned by DC. They can pretty much do what they pretty much do what they like like mm. with them. um
2: Having said that, um, uh, there is also the question, though, of... Really, are these stories necessary? I mean, mm. I, I mean I'm mean, i not a big fan... Generally speaking, I'm not a big fan of prequels anyway. And I'm not interested in this project. Not because of, you know, I don't think that DC should do it. But everything I need to know about these characters is contained within the Watchmen story. Mm-hmm. So, I, I'm, you know, I'm not quite sure really whether this project is is necessary. So... Mm. It's not uh, as aside, aside from making DC a truckload of money. That's <laughs> um, right, yeah, it's not necessary
0: creatively, because <laughs> you're right. we yeah. I mean, watching is a, is a contained story, and you don't need to know what happened before or after. Mm-hmm. But that uh, doesn't it doesn't mean to say that it wouldn't be interesting. I suppose. Well, there's no reason
3: why you can't revisit really the universe.
0: True. Yeah, it depends on how you do it, really. Mm-hmm. I
3: mean, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm interested.
0: I mean, I'll, I'll definitely be picking them up. I mean, I, well, I like I like most of the creative team. Mm-hmm. I'm not a big J. Michael Straczynski fan. Um, but Darwin Cook is a legend. Mm. And uh, I mean, he's never let me down that man. He's always always produced quality. So, And, and he's overseeing the project, something. And, you
1: know, that might be working. And he's really the reason why I'd pick up a couple of. I'll pick up his books in particular because I'm a big fan of Darwin Cook. Mm. Um, but it's really the only reason that I've got an interest in this is because of the creative teams, not because I actually want to revisit the characters of the story. As has been stated, it's, you know, Watchmen is self contained.
0: There's no denying that it's a massive money grab. I mean, let's be honest. I don't think even DC is going to deny otherwise. Mm. It's not some mm. sort of, you know, we should do it for creativity's sake. Mm. I mean, the simple fact is they want to make a lot of money. Yeah, and they're going mm-hmm. to make a lot of money. So, I'm not, I'm not ashamed to say that I'm excited. I mean, I, I want to read them. So, and I'm going to buy them. Simple as that.
2: I won't. Just because, like be I said, I'm not I'm not all that interested in prequels. The creative teams are fantastic. Mm. I mean, you know, the the opportunity to see Adam Hughes doing interior artwork would be yeah. fantastic. But Joe and
0: Andy Cubitt,
2: Joe, and, yeah, well, any any work by Joe Cubitt is it's a must is see. much appreciated by me. But um, you know, Jay Lee on the Andius book, but um, but yeah, just prequels just don't interest me for the most part. Yeah,
0: fair enough. Cool. Well, that pretty much sums up our opinion. I mean, yeah, a bit of an overreaction on the on the interviews, but that's.
2: But that's what the internet is for. (laughs) That's what the internet is
0: for. (laughs) So let's move on to Popcorn Junkie. Chronicle, the latest entry in the found footage genre. It's directed by Josh Trank and stars Michael B. Jordan, Michael Kelly and Alex Russell. And it's written by Max Landis, who's the son of John Landis, who you'll know from a ridiculous amount of stuff, <laughs> including Michael Jackson's Thriller and Blues Brothers
2: and... American Wealth in London.
0: and Trading uh, Places. Animal House and...
2: He's directed a lot of films.
0: He's directed a lot of stuff. <laughs> and uh, he's cool. <laughs> he's terrific. <laughs> okay, so the story is three guys who find a mysterious object uh, buried in a hole, and uh, this object gives them superpowers. Now, I'm not giving anything away there because the trailer pretty much tells you everything you need to know. And then their subsequent dealings with, you know, what these powers mean.
1: There isn't a lot in this film that you wouldn't already be familiar with. They don't break new ground as such. There's a nice idea in that um, they are trying to, you know, look at a more realistic response to um, superheroes. These people don't... the, The three don't start off as... Particularly nice, or doing particularly nice things, they start off using their powers to play pranks and, um, as teenagers would, as teenage as, as teenage boys would, and there's that, sort of something, yeah, but nothing well, too horrible, nothing I mean, too yeah, nothing too horrible, except for funny. you know when one one of them does take it too far, and then they have to clamp down on themselves. Yeah, um, but the rules, but there is nothing. There's nothing particularly fresh about.
2: No, I disagree with that. I think that there's actually a very different approach to what you would find in most of um, you know, the, the gained superpowered type movies that are out there. First of all, these are just regular people and they're presented as such. Um, I don't think there is a, a great sense of the, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. There's no, uh, you know, we have to avenge somebody or we have to honor somebody's memory. It's just, hey, we got some powers. Isn't that cool? Yeah, well, one one of the uh, things
0: I do like is that not a single not a single character mentions a comic. Yeah. Or a comic book hero or any kind. Yeah, Hey, just no Let's actual, make costumes. Yeah,
2: well, there's there's no actual oh yeah we've got to go out and become superheroes yeah. or anything. It's just hey we've got these powers. The other thing that I think really separates this from a lot of the other movies is you actually see the development of the powers. You see him uh, you see the three uh, main characters as they slowly learn how to use their abilities and yeah. come to understand what what they can do with these powers, and just how powerful they actually are. Yeah. Now, a lot of the times, because a lot of these movies are based on uh, you know, comic books or trying to at least take the superhero approach, often that learning phase happens very quickly. It's yeah. just, you, know, you might get a montage of them learning, you might get a few bits here and there, but, but usually it's over in a good 10 to 15 minutes so that they can get on with the rest of the story. What I liked about this film... Was that it's actually a slow progression as they learn how to use their powers, and it's, it's like a logical progression. Yeah, mm. in, in in a standard superhero film, the mistake that is made um, that leads them to come up with these rules mm. um, of to how to use their powers actually takes it takes a while to get to that point. Yeah. Now, in a standard film, that would come very early because the the hero would need to learn how to be heroic. Yeah, here, you know, it it, it takes its time, and I actually appreciated that they put that effort into it and I think that's yeah. one of the things that actually makes it a little bit different to the other films
0: uh, it's, it's also like the, the fact that in, that in that particular sequence that you're talking about that it's they skip over the whole it's like it's like oh wow we've all got powers now it's just, mm. so you got to the bit where they find the object mm. and then it skips straight to okay we well, you know we've got powers and now we're working them out and we'll seeing yeah. see how it goes and stuff like that
4: yeah
2: um, and there is an attempt made too uh, which I appreciate unlike a lot of the found footage movies out there there is an attempt to actually have characters like you know you you get a little bit of the backstory of these people and you learn a little bit more about them than you might in something like you know cloverfield or blair witch or apollo 18 there's an attempt here to create actual characters to give you some level of sympathy towards those characters and also to try to make them um, as real and believable as possible, and well, whilst at times it doesn't work, I do actually appreciate that they're putting the effort to try to do that.
0: Yeah, and it's, and the found footage thing—that is, it's—I mean, it's, it's been done to death pretty much as far as I can tell. It's, but I do like the that in this that they come up with an idea to have instead of just one person constantly behind the camera, he uses his telekinesis to control the camera, yeah. so that you can actually have him in shot. So you've yeah. actually got all three of them in shot, and it's a believable reason. Yeah, It's awesome.
2: Having said that, I'm not a big fan of the found footage films. Oh, yeah, it's, like, um, it's been done to death. I actually think this might have worked just as well without doing the mm. found footage, or with a, perhaps a combination of the video footage and just regular shot footage as well. Um, there are a couple of moments in the film, especially towards the end, where... I'm not even sure exactly where the footage is coming from. Like, once you've gone past security cameras, the main characters and their filming, um, as well as there's a, a, a supporting female supporting character who also shoots a few bits here and there. But there's a few scenes in the sort of final moments of the film, uh, confrontation moments of the film, where I'm not quite sure where the footage is coming they're from. they
3: coming from Observer's video
2: and some of that is true but some of it some of it is kind of like you know we're halfway up in the air watching what's going on without giving anything away and it's like well is that it's not like a police helicopter footage or anything because there's no police helicopter there. So there are a couple of moments there where it, it's sort of like, well, where is this footage coming from? Now, they're not that substantial. Yeah, I'm willing to let there that are, slide. But there are a few.
0: I mean, I did notice that as well myself. I, I agree with you. But, I mean, I think the the end sequence is done so well, actually, that that uh, I'm willing to let it go because, it's, I mean, they do establish, like Chris was already said, it's, it's it's coming from camera phones, it's coming from iPads, mm. and it's coming from the police internal cameras and Newsroom. the, the yeah, news, news co- things and the ice. helicopter
1: and yeah
0: i think it's, i think it's cut together so well that it's, it's i mean it's i actually like the like the fact that in, in most times during that end where you actually don't know exactly what's happening because you're not right there in the middle of the action all the time you're actually yeah a bystander they, they that's did, a couple of blocks away and
2: they do do some of that as well they definitely well um but they do take some liberties just to give you an idea of actually what's yeah. happening. Otherwise you'd be like, mm, you have
0: no yeah. idea what's going on. And it's
2: really only in the end sequence that mm. that becomes apparent. Um, they certainly, one of the things I will give them credit for is keeping the camera steady for the most part. Yeah, um, A lot of the found footage movies, the camera is so shaky that I actually get motion sickness watching the films. Yeah, So it's it's nice that they kept this camera pretty steady and... Yeah, as you say, using the, the telekinesis to control the camera I think helped in that regard. There is an absolutely, I think, amazing sequence that comes um, sort of relatively early on after they've developed their powers and they're learning to fly. Hmm. And they're sort of up in amongst the clouds kicking a, a football. football around.
4: Yeah.
2: Um, and a plane flies by. Yeah, I think that, that sequence is actually... Really well done. It's, it's one of the standout sequences of the film for and it's
1: me. And possibly the only one where the found footage um, approach does work because you, it does allow the audience, to act, instead of just watching it, you are actually getting their point of view and actually experiencing the flying. It's the one sequence where um, having someone holding a camera actually does add to the moment. I just yeah. I I really like the fact that they just they don't know what it is mm.
0: themselves. Like it appears out of nowhere because mm. they're not used to it. Because they obviously not flyers, and then uh, you never actually clearly see what's going on. You just know that a planes appeared, and boom mm. they're they're mm. out of action and no. off they go. Mm. But uh, but I I, it, but I do disagree with what you said about the where it, the the found footage format works. I, mean, I, sh- I think that the end sequence with the you know the the, the confrontation I think is very well done with all the found footage type stuff
1: it was one of those but you could have also just immediately had a a regular camera crew just um, filming it as well and it still would have worked but they would never have been able to call it up to the
0: action I mean they were all over the city Mm.
3: yeah but if you had just a regular camera crew and it was just shot as a normal film you wouldn't have had that problem with why does Matt have to get a ride to go see Andrew when he could just fly there yeah
0: true yeah yeah that's Mm. true
3: yeah, and the reason he has to get it right is because he needs to get it right with the woman with the camera. Yeah,
0: they go with the blog camera. Yeah, you're
3: yeah. right. Yeah, you're
2: totally right. One other thing I find with the found footage here is um, there's no actual indication given as to where this found footage gets found, or who edits it together, or because I mean it's multiple, multiple cameras, multiple viewpoints. Um, you get a little bit a uh, uh, sort of epilogue bit at the end as well.
0: Um, I, I should, usually, who does the government?
2: Well usually usually when uh when these found footage films come out, there's a little spiel at the start yeah, that says, yeah. you know, this footage was found like and it's been edited together, yeah. you know, Cloverfield did it, Blair Witch did it, Apollo Par- eighteen Paranormal did it. Activity. Yeah, you know. Um whereas this one it's kind of like well obviously somebody put it all together and I actually thought at one point that they would reveal at the end that maybe it was the the woman that was filming stuff maybe she got it all together because she's the one that's in the in the film itself she's the one that's shooting for her blog and so yes i thought yeah but i mean there's no sort of um explanation for how she gets all of this footage or how anyone gets all of this footage and puts it together yeah
3: that's what i was going to say with the one the stuff that's lost when the Caving happens. Yeah, yeah, that's, what yeah.
0: I was, that's what I was just about to say. That, that that that's why it indicates to me that it's the government because they would be the ones that would have access to it. I mean, they, they collapsed th- that tunnel on purpose. You have to assume.
3: But there's no necessary piece in the story where they have to lose that camera. I mean, they could have just taken it out with him that, so that didn't really need to be a problem. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I guess. Yeah.
2: So there are there are I, I think a couple of I, I suppose I'd call them flaws with oh. their with their approach to the found footage. Mm. Um, aspect of the film um, but yeah but the story and characterisation I actually thought was quite strong yeah surprisingly
0: I also thought the um, the object itself looked pretty cool like the crystal formation with the the little tendrils I thought that was pretty groovy it doesn't tell you what it is you don't need to know what it is
2: and really these people would never find out I I mean, they're just that's, a bunch of teenagers that's exactly
0: so. right they would not ever know mm. and uh, that's why we don't need to know so I thought that was pretty groovy. Following on what uh, Luke said before, it is—I mean, it's, it's not the most original of ideas. Mm. I mean, I also I mentioned pre- in our previous episode that was that it was basically you know a god somewhere, um, Rising Stars. But uh, now that I've seen it, it, is basically a god somewhere, Rising Stars and a hero.
1: with heroes thrown in for good measure.
0: Well, heroes is basically just Rising Stars mm. anyway. True. Let's face it. Um, so,
2: but it it takes. Whilst it's not the most original idea, I respect some of the things that they actually did yeah. with that idea. Like, they tried to they tried to make it its own thing, and I think it worked relatively well in that respect.
0: Cool. So, uh, any other thoughts before we go on the rating?
2: Um,
1: okay, I take a lot of what everyone here has said. Um, I agree with Dave that it's, you know, of the found footage genre, it's certainly one of the strongest um, candidates so far, in that it wasn't completely annoying, and that there is stuff in it that I did, you know, enjoy. Like, the flight... Um, like the se- the flying sequence amongst the clouds, I thought was was quite well done. Um, I liked the so shot. Can I just
0: jump in there? We've already mentioned the flying sequence in the clouds mm. a couple of times, but the actual flying special effect itself mm. was awful. Let's be honest there. It's like it's it. it's
2: fairly great. fairly standard.
3: The flying through the clouds was great. Mm. Yeah, was but as oh, a there, yeah. se- but as a sequence yeah, itself, There's no you know, Superman
1: returns. Um, <laughs> uh, I liked the shot where we, he actually where he uses his telekinesis to you know get the ca- turns the, to get the camera to. Record itself, yeah. Because I did actually see the going. I want to know how that was done. Yeah, so that was pretty cool. You know, it was it was just a nicely done shot. And the end fight scene, whilst it whilst it lacks sort of the drama, of and the in depth nature of the the fight scene at the end of Superman Two, I thought it did actually capture you know what the wide a wide scale city destructed in a super powered conflict quite well. Um, I'm
0: totally with you there. Yeah. yeah, I thought. I mean, they, make, it
1: I mean the it just
0: looked so realistic. Mm. It was like, if this, is, if this was really mm. happening, there wouldn't mm. be any... I mean, they weren't both. They weren't, they weren't trained fighters. They weren't trained mm. in their powers. Mm. So the, the slap-dash sort of way it was happening mm. made yeah. perfect sense to me. I was like, this This is exactly how it would
1: go. The big flaw with the found footage, and this was my real... one of the real sticking points for me for the film, apart from, you know, the cliché... I felt the story was actually quite clichéd, um, is that it never allowed us to go with the other characters... For a lengthy period of time, so you oh, couldn't yeah. actually you couldn't actually set up subplots or develop backstory. So when when um, it was you know when events start involving the other characters, I just didn't care. Really, well, I disagree with what, that. What
0: about the guy that goes to visit the blood girl? I mean, he has his entire subplot about how he's
2: yeah. not really. But it's actually uh,
1: not all that interesting. It's fa- it's you know it's fairly standard stuff. I feel like I've seen it a hundred times before, and there was yeah, nothing, nothing partic- It wasn't actually developed, and it didn't feel it actually went anywhere.
2: I think he had. I disagree. I think there are enough moments with him. Um, I think one of the best sequences with him is when he picks the camera up uh, at the party, mm. and he's talking about how much he loves his cousin and how he's never really had a chance to say. To really tell him that. Yeah. I think that works really Actually, well. I think he's um, the most
3: well-rounded character in the movie. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. I would agree with that. Totally.
2: So you're just wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just I think that there's enough there. Probably Stephen is the one that's the least developed. Mm, yeah. But at the same time, this is not so much his story anyway.
4: Yeah.
2: Really, it's the, it's the cousin's story. And he's there to add something a little bit extra to the story. Mm. And you get enough... About him and and who he is to uh, facilitate that, mm. but really it's the cousin story story that we're following, and I actually think that the cousins are actually very well developed.
1: Mm. I disagree completely. I think the characterisation is actually quite shallow, and I think a lot of the stuff we discover about um, Andrew at the start it's it was it, it was there to um to say oh this is why you should care about the character. But I never actually felt a reason to care about the character. I actually thought he was a bit of an idiot. Um, I didn't feel any way inclined to want to necessarily want to follow his story. Um, I felt it was just it was basically lazy. Um, this is why you should do it, but I never I never felt a reason to get involved. Fair
0: enough. So if
1: i felt kind of forced, you reckon?
2: Yeah. I actually yeah. thought I actually thought it was quite a uh, sympathetic and quite a realistic depiction of somebody who's. Um, you know, in a abusive household, who's mm-hmm. dealing with all of these kind of problems in the way that a teenager does. I know? thought
3: it was going to be like the way Luke described, but I actually saw it more the way David described, Richard described.
0: Good point. Yeah, um, I'm the same actually. Yeah. But yeah. well, I actually, for and the first uh, the first ten minutes or so, I thought, "Oh, come on, seriously." Mm-hmm. And then, uh, like when like his, his excuse for having the camera to start off with was mm-hmm. filming his abusive father, I thought that's genius but then he like carries it on with him to school and stuff and like you're, you're drawing attention to yourself yeah. why would you but, do yeah. that it's but just at the same time it.
3: He's an, an, yeah. an
0: obsession by that point but then it you know. becomes yeah, yeah good exactly. spot on it becomes yeah. an obsession it's mm-hmm. like as he stags later on he actually says because when, when someone asks him like what are you doing with this camera and he says well because it removes me from the situation yeah, yeah. He says, are you trying
3: yeah. to create a barrier and he says well and maybe I want to create a barrier I mean he yeah. was
0: I mean, he, I mean I agree with you he's an idiot mm. <laughs> so he's I don't, but, think, I don't but, think he's but, an but idiot he's, I but, think... he's a, but he's a teenager and so mm. that I mean mm. he he was a realistic teenager as far as I could see I mean he he seemed very believable in what he was doing and that's that's what got me into it mm. I mean I'm not saying that it wasn't I mean it hit all the right beats mm. I mean you could clearly see the beats it's like, it's like yeah. this is going to happen so and, you can feel And that was. it that this be- is going to happen so you know what's going to happen about 30 minutes on mm. I mean yes obviously that's, that's, and that's, and that's was still worst that but, the but that's,
1: that's the big problem I had with it you know I felt I could see the beats but the beats weren't sufficiently interesting or innovative or even intriguing for me to want to actually for me to actually believe that it was entertaining I wasn't actually entertained I was entertained more by the teenagers sitting next to us who kept telling each other to shut up because one of, the, one of them kept talking throughout the entire film <laughs> than it was by the entire film itself, which is why I didn't actually turn around and tell them to shut up myself because I was more entertained by their actions.
2: So I, was, I don't know if entertained is the right word. I'd say I was intrigued by Andrew as a character. Um, I actually felt that there was some very, very well-handled subtlety to it at times as well. Ooh. Scenes of him... I think the scenes of him lying in his bed Uh, with the camera floating above him tell you a lot about the character without implicitly stating anything it's just this is the kind of person he is you know there's a certain dreamer aspect to him Um, I think there's a couple of scenes where where he sort of put the camera aside but you can hear him sort of Weeping a little bit in the background after after
0: the party, after
2: the party, yeah. and then again later on when he's up in the clouds after yeah. he's been beaten by his father. Yeah. Um. So I think that there's some there's some good subtle moments here that tell you a lot about the character without being too obvious and without having to state everything. And, um. And I liked that about it.
0: And his whole thing about going to Tibet, I liked it. I thought it made perfect sense.
2: Yeah, I actually did feel some sympathy towards mm-hmm. Andrew. I thought I actually thought he was a. A better developed character than I'd actually didn't expected expect the best from the previews. Oh yeah, without he a was, doubt.
0: I mean, his, the other cousin. As much as I liked the character, yeah. he was hopeless. <laughs> so I mean, he was. I mean, Andrew at least I think put him. I didn't. I mean, think he was hopeless. Right. I
3: think he did well when you know with the scenes with the girl when it's revealed he's not as cool as he thought he was, and yeah. the way she looks at him that, that revealed a whole other like, side of the character. I thought that was good. Hmm. I thought
0: the
1: scene was good. I just didn't think
0: his performance was all that good.
3: No, I think he pulled it. Okay. He did okay, well.
0: Cool.
1: He did okay with what he had. He didn't have a sufficient yeah. character to develop. And there was one moment of weak acting towards the end, where he is actually screaming at Drew Andrew, sorry, um, where he Don't does do this. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Fa- he does falter a little bit in yeah. his performance. Um,
0: but it was still, it was, there's still no uh, seven moment. Yeah, no. it's, it's <laughs> no
2: Brad Pitt at the end of Seven, where almost ruining the moment with his poor acting.
3: I, I went in with extremely low expectations. I thought it was going to be, just judging by the trailer, I thought it was going to be uh, some angsty teenage thing with some jackass sort of thrown in. and Superpowered
0: jackass.
3: Superpowered <laughs> jackass, and I really wasn't looking forward to it at all, but I came out pleasantly surprised. I mean, it's not yeah. one that I'm going to want to watch again anytime soon, but it held my interest for the two hours well, hour and 24 minutes or however long it was. Yeah, it was only like, it was not even like an hour and a half. Total. Short. Actually, I think the shortness worked for it. Yeah, it doesn't,
2: yeah. it doesn't overstay its welcome, which is a good thing. Mm. Definitely.
0: Although more of the end fight would be cool. you <laughs> action
3: sequences? Action, um, was it action-y action
0: it was action-y action? <laughs> it was actiony action. It was. bringing it a full circle. All
3: right, ratings? Two and a half.
2: Yeah, like, like Crystal, I was pleasantly surprised by this film. I had went in having the absolute lowest expectations and came out actually quite enjoying it, so I give it three looks.
1: Well, I went in having no expectations, and my expectations were, you know, met. One. Wow. harshest
2: um, critic in the world.
1: I'm going
0: to go with uh, Richo. Yeah, I mean, I was the same. I sort of saw the trailer and thought, no... This is no yeah. I don't wanna I really don't want to review this. But yeah. yeah, I mean just like Crystal, I walked out
3: pleasantly surprised. We had a cool chat about it afterwards and So the person who did the trailer needs to have it long. Yeah, the Well
2: Chris say? I think Crystal was right. It just looked like it was gonna be, you know, jackass with superpowers. Yeah. And in fact was yeah, it was actually a, quite
0: subtle. Yeah. So I'm gonna go with three as well. Perfect. Yeah, it was uh, it was quite enjoyable.
2: So anybody
3: who was going in wanting to see that was probably bitterly disappointed Don't <laughs>
2: yeah. say it. Yeah, look, it's worth it. It's worth your it. <laughs> do yourself <laughs> a favour. Do
0: yourself a favour. Coming up next, Round Table. When that's a round table, we dance where we're able. we do routines to call the scenes and put work in big cable. We dine well here in Camelot, we eat ham and jam and swam a lot. Okay, so our regular listeners will notice that uh, featured uh, like discussion uh, segment has slightly changed. We've got a bit of feedback about uh, war room segment in that it's really not really very warlike. There's <laughs> not very, is not usually any sort of conflict, uh, which so doesn't really match the name. So I thank everybody who uh, sent in those comments. Um, so we're going to actually do have uh, two different types of discussion segments. So whenever we want to actually have a, a subject where we discuss. Something that is probably going to get an argument out of us, like...
3: Uh...
0: Alan Moore. Yeah, but, yeah, is Alan Moore the greatest go <laughs> writer of all time? Um, that would be a war room because all the other three people on the crew are going to disagree with me. But uh, <laughs> if we're going to have a discussion where we're just going to talk about stuff like our top fives, or um, how much we love War of the Worlds, <laughs> or uh, whatever the case may be, we'll call it The Round Table. And uh, that name actually came from young luke
2: Yay! <laughs> He's my hero. My acknowledgement is appreciated. When I grow up, I want to be just like Luke.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh dear. (laughs) That's kind of (laughs) creepy. Disturbing, yeah. yeah, yeah. Disturbing. (laughs) So for our first roundtable, we're actually going to be talking about NCP's Top 5 Heroes. Uh, Quite some time ago now, we did the uh, NCP's Top 5 Villains, which was uh, a lot of fun. And one of the most requested items that I get in our feedback is... uh, more top five. So uh, we recently did the top five vehicles. So uh, now we're going to do the heroes. So NCP's top five heroes. So we'll go through uh, like we do with all the others. Uh, I'm very excited. There's some interesting uh, interesting results, I've got to tell you. Uh, so starting at number five, Robin Hood with four votes. Robin go Hood.
2: Robin. Go Robin Hood.
0: Go. I was quite shocked to see this.
1: Why? Because you're the only person that voted for it. But Robin Hood is one of the greatest heroes of all time. He's um, <laughs> he, okay. was a, he was a thief. <laughs> uh, but I mean, he that's... fought. But he was a th- he was a thief who, in the popular version, fought against fought against oppression. You know, the, that's that that's the reason why he's considered such a high. That's that's why. That's why he's one of my favourite heroes. I'm know? not. He i he's a hero. But th- number five. <laughs>
2: Well, I mean, he—you uh, know—the whole robbing from the rich to give to the poor yeah. shows that he's not so much a thief as really a resistance fighter. Yeah,
0: a resistance fighter, I like. Yeah, that.
2: he's trying to help out the oppressed by basically becoming a criminal and putting himself in harm's way. They and should
0: have a, cross- a mash up, a crossover with uh, Robin Hood and alien
1: invasions. <laughs> I'm
2: sure it's been <laughs> done resistance somewhere. Fighter. Robin Hood <laughs>
1: versus the aliens. They, you know, they don't have a cartoon in the '60s called Space Robin Hood. No.
2: Really? And hey, if Santa Claus can conquer the Martians, then anybody can fight <laughs> the aliens um, these days. You know, one of
0: my favourite cartoons that he gave was a similar sort of deal was Ulysses 31. Never sure U- it, that. Ulysses Setting Space. Yep, I remember the that. Is. But um, anyway, get yeah, back to Robin. Moving back to Robin. Moving back onto, Robert, moving moving back onto, onto Robin. Um, so you don't mean the Men in version of Robin Hood. No, I...
1: You mean actually, the classical version? I mean the, um... Well, the, actually what I'm talking about is, is the version that has come down to us, which is the Elizabethan version. Yeah. In the original ballads and, and um... Sorry. In the original ballads and rhymes, Robin's actually not a very likable person. You know, He no, does actually no. rob and kill, and he does it more he's for... He's a highwayman. He's a highwayman, and he does it for self-motivating reasons, but it's yeah. more the sort of the roguish flair yeah. that he had as a character, which still persists. You know, he's still seen as a bit of a rogue and a bit of a charmer. Then in the, what happened in the Elizabethan period was that they decided that um, he had to be a nobleman, yep. so that the the um, the poor oppressed masses that um, <laughs> the monarchy was um, treading under its um, heel wouldn't rise up and say, "No, that's wrong. You can't do this to us." They said, "You know, no. You're the hero that you're noble like and no, no, he's a nobleman as well. So he's he's like you. He's just as much you as he is with us." Yeah. But there's also. Um, the trials and tribulations that he goes through—you know, the fight with Little John um, on the bridge, to, the bridge, the, the classic staff fight, the, the, the classic staff fight, which has been done wonderfully in things like Daffy Duck, Daffy Robin Hood, Daffy, um, right, just
3: run away,
1: um, the meeting for I tuck. The archery contest, which has become yeah, almost iconic.
2: The archery contest is certainly my favourite part of uh, mm. of the Robin Hood mythos. You know, so, well, so
1: who's your, who, what's your favourite uh, portrayal on screen? I feel, I feel portrayal on large screen. or small, large or small. Yeah, um, it's a small screen adaptation. Whilst I would love to say the Errol Flynn version, and the er- and Errol Flynn is a great Robin, um, and the, the Adventures of Robin Hood is a wonderful you know piece of wonderful piece of entertainment, light hearted. It, it takes you along. It's a great piece of escapist entertainment. My favourite is the 80s Robin of Sherwood um, TV show because what it did was that it took the legend yeah. and it actually gave it a more mythic sensibility. Uh-huh. Um, it, um, he becomes the spiritual son of, uh, of, a, of a Celtic figure called Hearn the Hunter, yeah. um, who is actually not just there to help fight against the Depression posed upon the Saxons by the Normans. He's also there to fight people like Baron de Volem and the Dark Forces... Yeah, to, to, the, bring, bring darkness, balance. to bring balance. To bring balance, you mm-hmm. know, um, the fight between the powers of light and darkness. Yeah, which is such a strong, and it's not overly, it's not overly um, stated as such. You know, there are quite a lot of episodes which are just you know your normal action adventure. What about when
0: the main characters change? The not the main actors change. I prefer to, well, I prefer Michael Prade, the first Sh- Robin to Sh- Sean To, to um, uh,
1: Sean Junior. I just think Michael it's, Prade it's is not, a, not very good. Michael <laughs> Prade is a be- that Michael <laughs> Prade does a better job. Brings a more um, heroic quality. He the looks character. awesome too. And he actually looks more like a man of the time, yeah. And he has a certain fairy-like quality, which suits the vision of that um, portrayal of the character, Robin Hood. Robin Hood.
0: Everybody knows who he is.
1: Everyone knows he's one of the most recognised characters around the world, barring the fact that he comes from England. Yeah. You wouldn't. You'd be hard pressed to find anyone in any nation who who didn't know that who Robin Hood was.
0: All right. Let's move on. <laughs> um, a lot of the Robin Hood love in the room. Uh, Number four, we're actually going to tie for number four, uh, with five votes each. Mr. Samwise Gangie, the true hero of the Lord of the Rings Sam. And uh, my beloved Spider-Man, at number four, people.
3: (laughs) Sam poops all over Spider-Man.
0: That's a disgrace, you should all be ashamed of yourselves.
2: No. Well, let's start with Sam, shall (laughs) we? (laughs) Because I've been stating for a long time that Sam is, without a doubt, the true hero of uh, Lord of the Rings the fact is, they would have failed without him. they failed miserably. What a legend. He carries him up the mountain. It is, for me, it is my single favourite moment.
0: I would have just left him behind. <laughs> <laughs> just taken no, the no, ring.
2: <laughs> my single favourite moment in Lord of the Rings is when Sam actually picks Frodo up yep. and carries him up the mountain. It's mm. just... Mm. Y- there is not a, a no more heroic moment than that in it's the entire trilogy.
0: Not even, I mean, the, the, when he fights Shalob, it's, it's brilliant. Mm. Brilliant mm. stuff. But carrying him up the mountain, and what? I mean, what, he's almost dead on his feet. Yeah, brilliant.
2: One of the things I like about Sam too is that he's doing it for the simplest of motives—to help out his best friend.
0: He's doing it for love.
2: To mm. yeah, and, and I think that's just that's awesome. just remarkable.
0: But I, mean, I, I tell many many uh, inappropriate jokes during that sequence. <laughs> but uh, I mean, it's, let's let's face it. I and mean, the honest the honest thing is, he just he loves his friend. Yeah, yeah, and. Will do whatever he can to assist. Yeah,
2: it's the absolute purest of motives for a hero. Yeah. And he just
0: wants that over with yeah. so he can get his friend back.
3: And, mm. go back home. and,
2: and get himself and the hobbit back lady.
0: Home. And mm. the, the lovely barmaid yep. lady.
3: Well, it's just um, the, way Paul, the way Gollum treats him at some points so and manipulating him so Frodo will hit him. It just, it's like kicking a puppy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that bit
0: where, where he, tries to, he tries to convince Frodo that he's eating all the food and stuff. Mm. And Sam like bursts into tears, mm. Mm. and i was just like, "Well, this is just this is powerful that stuff." Is I mean, cool. he's just he's so tired, he's so exhausted, he's you know, he's just so desperate just to get it over and done with, and he just mm. starts to
1: cry. What I like about Sam is the journey that he goes on. Mm. Um, he's unlike he's not he's not thrust into the situation like Frodo is. He is not portrayed as the um, the archetypal hero the way that Aragorn. Mm. Um, and Legolas and are. so Aragorn's
0: born to be a hero yeah, yeah. Aragorn's born to Sam be a hero Sam does it because he Sam, has to
1: mm, Sam, but Sam grows into the role it's and not because he does, it, because he does anything mm. major and yes the fight with he does fight Shelob and that's a you know a big turning point for the character mm. but it, his journey is is it's more him trying to recognise his own heroism I guess or yeah. you know feel feel the confidence to
0: when he swims out to the boat even mm. though he can't swim mm.
1: it's
0: great mm. great stuff
1: mm. Yeah.
0: Samwise well, Gamgee we all love you
1: and, and there's, uh, just on Sam just one, there's, there's one moment in the book that I actually really do like involving Sam which is when Frodo's been captured by after being um, struck by Shelob he's been captured by the Orcs and Sam realises what he's done he gives himself he realises he's got an option he can just stay there and run away he can just run away yeah. and forget it or he can go and try and rescue Frodo but he's got to convince himself how to do it. So he sings himself this song to fire himself up so that he feels confident. And I've always loved that moment. I thought that says so much about who Sam is and about the nature of his heroism that, in the end, he's actually got to... He knows what the right thing is to do, but he's got to give himself the courage to do it.
0: I also like the fact that he he takes the ring Mm. and, without even a moment's hesitation, Mm. gives it up again. Mm. Yeah. So, like, there's no corruption there Oh,
1: well, There is a hesitation But the hesitation is more he I don't want to, want to give, give it back, back to you Because I know the effect it's got Yeah, yeah, mm. that's what
0: I mean yeah, It's no hesitation Because he wants mm. to cover it Like everybody mm. else seems mm. to It's just I mean, even Frodo it, It's just he just, It's like I just, I don't want to hurt my friend mm. But I'll I'll happily give it away mm. You need to throw mm. it away If you could Yep and It's just awesome So, uh, Spidey Also at number four <clears throat> Number four yeah. That's right, everybody I'm very upset Very, oh. very upset by this why? Because Spider-Man, the greatest hero of all time. Well, let's
2: well, let's, <laughs> so let's, let's start with what makes Spidey great, basically. <laughs> with great power comes great responsibility.
0: <laughs> well, he'll do whatever it takes to protect other people. He, the, the, he's the the amazing
2: uh, thing I think about Spider-Man is that he is the ultimate. Every man's superhero like That's right, nothing goes right for him, like yeah the standard for superheroes is you get powers, you become heroic, you become popular, people love you, you know, or you know in some cases fear you if you're Batman but <laughs> spider man is just that he he's basically and he was created as such. What would it be like if the people reading the comics gained superpowers? yeah, so much like kind of like the chronicle approach, hmm. but for sort of certainly a more um, heroic and noble character but I mean I think one of the great things about Spidey is that he gets his powers and thinks I'm going to go make some money That's it. You know, and it's really not until uh, the death of his uncle that he realises as you say that with this great power that he has there's now he now has a responsibility and that's what drives him as a character is yeah. to live up to that responsibility and to try to use his powers to help people mm. no matter how bad things get for him no matter how is many it, times he's absolutely wanted by the stop. police. Hmm. yeah no matter how many times he's wanted Terminate. by the police, hounded yeah. by the media, yeah. um, no matter how many times he's he's trodden into the dirt, mm. he just keeps getting up and he keeps going and he keeps mm. fighting and you know just and once again for the noblest of reasons. Mm.
0: And everybody loves him, even Wolverine likes him. <laughs> 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 it's
1: awesome. That, that, that's what really has made him such a strong hero: his struggle. Yeah. Um, the struggle with you know the stuff going on in his, his ordinary life, combined with the struggle or the struggles that he faces um, as Spider-Man, you know, right. that, and that's always been what's drawn people to the character, the struggle that Peter Parker himself goes, through. that's what, that, and as we've said, that's what makes him so heroic, he, yeah. um, and because people can relate to it, mm. Mm. I mean, people can relate to not having enough money for the rent, mm.
0: um, people can relate that, you know, their loved ones are in danger and the things they, mm. they would, they would mm. do, that's...
2: They can I can't talk, I'm so
0: choked up with emotion.
2: Yes, people can relate to being cloned and <laughs> marrying supermodels can, it's and been, it's been, it's been selling insane, your yeah. soul to the devil. That's, <laughs> another, that's, that's
0: another cool thing, is actually, that uh, actually it's Mary Jane that sells her soul, not Spider.
2: Yeah, look, I just want to ignore that that story even <laughs> <if it> happens. <laughs> but that's, that's
0: another thing cool thing about is how he's such a loser at school, and you know, just like every, you know, most people think that they are and stuff. And then he's just surrounded by a, a bevy of babes like yeah. <laughs> <his wife. laughs> Mary J. Gwyn, the three models on the on the on the roof. <laughs> Do you remember that scene? Like, I can't
3: sweat away because
2: Candy oh, and Bambi and Bambi and Candy and, and whatever the third one Sandy, is. I think, is the third one. <laughs> <laughs> that was the good old eighties. <laughs> so basically,
3: he's just Something. what the teenage boy aspires to want to be when he grows up. Um, um, I think in it's many more respects,
2: of, but, yes, but there is also this this sort of negative side to that there's the never having any money there's the sick aunt there's the dead uncle there's the dead yeah. parents there's, so there's there's still there's enough there to the say real that
3: real life intrudes yeah so. um it's one of the,
1: the thing you think to go kind on of what you've just said there crystal is that unlike say batman and superman who are or captain america and i mean who are the characters or the heroes that we might like to be if we got superpowers Spider Man is the hero you could be. Spider Man is, well, is, is the hero we most likely would be. You if you
3: know? got I'm going to
0: irradiate a spider right now. And
1: uh,
2: and, and you watch can, it die? And, but this uh, <laughs> is
0: actually some, one of my favourite photos that I, actually, that I have is actually one that I got uh, done at uh, Movie World, which is my head on Spider Man's body, and it pretty much confirms that. Uh,
2: you're a massive I nerd? I should
0: have... I'm a massive nerd. That's Well, that's number one. Sorry about that. And uh, then I should have played Spidey in the movie. I don't
1: know, that guy's hands look a bit too big, don't
0: they? I could have done that. Gosh darn it.
2: Which, which really does speak to Spider-Man's strength as a character. <laughs> he is the hero that we would all very most likely turn out to be. Fourth
0: oh, people. Oh, i am going to move on before I get too upset. So uh, coming in at three, we also had another double hit. So two for three. Both with uh, seven votes each, it would be Sherlock Holmes and the Good Doctor, Doctor Who.
4: Hmm.
2: Wow, actually, in it's, some it's respects, respects, very, very similar, similar characters. characters.
1: <laughs> um, Sherlock Holmes is Doctor Who in space. I'm a huge fan of both characters. Um, for slightly, whilst there are similarities, very strong similarities between the two, um, both stemming from the fact that they are exceedingly intelligent, and that it's always been their intellect. Um, and their deductive capabilities that have helped them to see to win the day in the end. Their intellect is their superpower. Yeah. Um, in spite of an argument that we had with our housemate a couple a couple of days ago, watching one of the Doctor Who episodes, he doesn't. The Doctor never needs a gun. The Doctor might have to come up with some um, deadly endgame scenarios in order to win the day. Like the destruction of the Daleks at the end of the Daleks, <laughs> like the, the like the destruction of he's the, not exactly um, the, a nice person, he,
2: Like the like destruction of around. the <laughs> Ice
1: Warrior fleet at the end of um, the Seeds of Death.
2: He practices genocide quite a bit, doesn't he? Um, he gets all upset
1: about the loss of the Gallifreyans, but come on, dude, <laughs> <laughs> you're not exactly blameless. But they're always sort of as last minute. This is the only option I've got left available to me. All other avenues have been closed. The Earth will die if I do not
2: do this. Hmm. Um, yeah, he's which not is
3: happy about having to kill four Daleks.
2: No. no. And let's face facts, the Daleks, pretty evil. Mm.
3: They're not evil. They do what they have mm. to
0: do because they've been brainwashed into doing it. They do,
2: they're a fascist regime that wants to conquer or destroy the entire universe. Only because they've
0: been conditioned to be that way. <laughs> that is you true. They a been, that's, the,
1: that was the beauty of Genesis, the Dalek, the morality yeah. argument that goes on in the Carlet Dome. Yeah. It's the, 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 the great thing about Sherlock Holmes is that he came at a time when no one was like him. There was nobody... Yeah like Sherlock Holmes, apart from a couple of short stories written by Edgar Allan Poe, but um, Auguste Dupin, the character in um, The Murder of the Remork, was sort of unknown, a bit distant from the audience, whereas Sherlock Holmes, uh, who was, was quite arrogant um, and quite misogynistic, at the same time believes not in working for the highest bidder, but believes in working for the more interesting case.
0: Yeah, it's whatever very interesting at the
1: time. Yeah, yeah and, but is more, more importantly... Believes that justice should be done, he will use all the powers of his, um, all of his deductive reasoning, all the resources at his disposal to see a criminal brought to justice. Mm. Um, and that has, part, as well as his exceedingly clever um, reasoning and deductive capabilities, have made him one of the most enduring characters mm. of all time. Like, is, Robin. yeah,
0: we, we won't we won't go focus too much on Sherlock because uh, we've pretty mm. much to talk about him to death in one of our previous episodes. But yeah. yeah, you're right. I mean, it's
2: just... They're, they're both, they're both very similar characters. Yeah. Sherlock Holmes has set a standard. That's right. There is really only... There's really only sort of two or three detective archetypes out there. Hmm. The other one probably being the Philip Marlowe type sort of more hardball detective approach. But really, Sherlock Holmes informs the approach taken by so many writers to so many of their um literary or film or television detectives that it's hard not to put him on a list like this he's really a groundbreaking character
3: one other I aspect i would point out about sherlock holmes uh, and the original stories that i really enjoyed Is it was a way for me to learn about London during those times Mm. without having to read dry history books, Mm. and the stories are still very readable today and accessible.
2: Mm. Yeah, absolutely.
3: Yeah,
0: and and yeah, and Doctor Who is uh, he's just brilliant. he's just a brilliant creation. Mm. Well, the
2: fact the fact that um, you know Doctor Who's the TV series, the original series especially, um, holds the Guinness Book of Records for the most number of consecutive science fiction episodes. Uh, there was you know, 783 episodes or something. I think it shows... You know, and the fact that then he's made a very popular return in 2005 hmm. uh, speaks to the strength and the enduring nature of the character. And but it
3: also has an inbuilt reboot, though. Every time he gets, they get tired of the character, they can just... He can regenerate and become something great. That's the genius of you know, it. Hmm, right? That's yeah. the genius, yeah.
0: though. Is this, it, 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 revolving actors. I mean, hmm. you're not going to have an actor doing the same role for you know, 20, 30, 20 years or whatever it Captain was. Kirk. Yeah. You know, hmm. It's
2: just... Well, the standard—the standard for doctors seems to be. That's just Shatner's.
0: That's just a shatter. He's the Shatner. the
2: <laughs> The standard for actors seems to be about three to four years. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the exception, of course, of uh, Tom Baker, who did eight years.
1: About that, like, he's, he's certainly still the longest-running, i'm um, yeah. actor to play the mm-hmm. Doctor,
3: and probably until recently, the most recognisable Doctor.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, look, I admit it might just be that you know I'm currently doing the Who reviews and watching every. Doctor Who episode that's available, um, but he's certainly even I think even without that, I probably would have ranked him very highly on my list. Yeah, he's
3: awesome.
0: Yeah, me too. But I mean, uh, yeah, I'm not a big fan of the the modern the modern take, but uh, or the, the the classic Doctors, despite he's uh, sometimes dips into genocide. <laughs> uh, you know, he's uh, he's he's he also, he's also got a high a high moral ground, mm-hmm. and it's just it's you know hell. Him and he'll never let his companions come to harm, and uh, mm. and uh, he's willing to throw himself in harm's way. And you know, mm. and of course, he gets to regenerate. And but uh, and
2: let's not also forget, too. he saves
0: whole civilization.
3: Mm.
2: Let's not all forget, like Robin Hood, started as a thief. Mm. Yeah, I mean, stole all all the, the time machine the and, and ran head away head. from his people oh, because look. he was bored. Did the
3: TARDIS steal him? Good Ooh. point. As <laughs> my thief. <laughs>
1: um, but it's also his eccentricity as well. That's, yeah, that's, you know the, the delightful way in which he approaches a problem. You know that,
2: it, which is another sort of connection with Sherlock Holmes too. Yeah, and that's a slightly eccentric nature of Holmes as well. Which uh,
0: talking about Holmes, we've got to mention the current series,
2: Sherlock. Brain stuff. Brand
0: stuff.
3: Ugh. Yeah. It's a three patch problem.
2: You have to <laughs>
3: watch it for all Seriously. those
0: of
2: you. For all those of you who agreed with our review of Sherlock Holmes: A Game of Shadows. Uh, Check out Sherlock the TV series, it's exactly what you would want from a Sherlock Holmes. You won't be
1: disappointed. And if you want to see the storyline that they do in Game of Shadows, but done well, watch Sherlock series 2.
2: Yes.
0: Okay, so moving on to number two, so this is NCP's top five heroes. Number two, no surprise here, Batman. Eight votes. Oh yeah. What? <laughs> Batman! Batman! Batman.
2: No, I'm just messing with you.
4: <laughs> <awesome>. <laughs> Who is that Batman guy? Um, okay,
1: look, you know, this, I've, as has been well established by everyone here, and there's it no, comes as no surprise to um, all the culturalites out there, I am a huge Batman fan. And for me, he is number one. Um, you know, in, in many respects, for a lot of the reasons that I like some of the other heroes in this list, you know, um, he has a high intellect. Um, he is absolutely driven, he believes that justice must be done, but it's also the way in which he approaches it as well. It's it's not so much he just that criminal needs to be stopped, it's that it needs to be almost eradicated. Yeah. Um but he does it because he believe because something traumatic has happened to him uh-huh. and he believes that it should not happen to anyone else. Then why Anyone is in he, the world? Why doesn't he just kill the Joker off and be done with it? So it will never because that, and that's another reason why he's a hero, Because he doesn't believe that that's the solution. He doesn't believe that death stops criminality; it, um, in fact, reinforces it. But what what you should be doing is, you know, rehabilitating them. He's probably not as great or as effective as rehabilitation as he is at stopping crime. Um, but I think actually, at his core, that's what he firmly believes. And that
2: well, he's not he's not a murderer. No. At the end of the day, so and that's a line, that's the line that he refuses to mm. cross. It's,
1: um, he does his utmost to make sure that the person involved... He, he tries to protect the person who's been harmed. And so, you know, Bruce Wayne, he'll, give, he'll set up um, a charity or a foundation to to make sure that they, re, they are relocated, that the kids have got go to a decent school to actually help them. He's, he's actually trying to help people. He'll then, of course, beat the living hell out of the person perpetrating <laughs> it. Um, so, be I, think, killer.
2: I think you actually bring up one of the things that I love about Batman mm-hmm. is that and it's certainly becoming a uh, greatly apparent in the recent uh, Batman comic book, mm. is that he fights... Oh, I his... haven't read it yet. <laughs> oh, awesome. He fights his battle on multiple fronts, mm. yeah. and he does it in different ways for the different personas he has and the different people he has supporting him. So as Batman, he'll be out there on the streets protecting the innocent, fighting the criminal masterminds. As Bruce Wayne, he's there using you know, his money and in his position in society to, um, you know, create organisations and create charities and things to try and deal with it on that level. He will take, um, you know, disillusioned youths and, you know, craft them into basically little versions of himself. But he will put them in the way. uh... But at the same time, he takes them and gives them direction in their life and then they, too then go out and they become part of what he's doing and they they try to set up their own ways of dealing with things as well, you know. So right. so he's working on, and now, of course, with the incorporated approach, mm. he's now working on a global scale. Mm. <laughs> what if you
3: brought Batman into the real world? I was just wondering what it'd be like if Bruce Wayne was a prominent Melbourne businessman and, uh, <laughs> and by night Batman roamed the streets of Melbourne.
4: Beat <laughs> <Pick, pick laughs> people
3: up. How, how would... We will react to that, <laughs> what, and that's, that, and that's sort of well. You know like, there, are, there are there actual are actual yeah, real life yeah.
2: superheroes out there. was out a there. guy, there and our a... reaction to them is that's kind of weird. There was A guy <laughs> in the states.
0: Yeah. I can't remember where he's from or who or his name, but uh, yeah. he was um,
2: Phoenix.
3: Can't
0: expect yeah, that. In the Phoenix Jones, Jones was it? Jones, yeah, Phoenix Jones. Jones. What
2: a legend! <laughs> um, um, but then, yeah, but I mean, by the same token, uh, someone like say Sherlock Holmes. Would be unbearable in real life. You would absolutely <laughs> despise him if you knew it. Oh, it's so like. it's half the time I just want
0: someone to slap
1: him in the
3: face. <laughs> but he's awesome, you get like Sheldon Cooper. <laughs> yeah.
1: uh, to go back to your, the reaction is, is that if he actually did start to become more proactive, he'd become the thing that he'd hate, that he doesn't want to be, which is creepy become the totalitarian well, become overlord. A... And he and in spite of his sort of fascistic... And there is a fascistic leaning to Batman, I'm not denying that. Mm. Um, but he's not a total fascist. He doesn't actually believe in complete control over every single individual. He believes in control over the people within his own... He, he believes in
0: complete control over his surroundings. Yeah, yeah,
1: but he doesn't believe in complete control over the world. That's why he has sometimes has problems with the Justice League, because he actually does see them as... Um, potential overlords, and then if one one of them goes over the brink, humanity will suffer, and that 's why he sets up all these end game plans to to prevent them um, but yeah just to go back to the reactionary proactive stance that 's why he doesn 't do that
2: I think one of the things that 's interesting is that if he ever crossed the line, like he's so close to being what he fights, yeah. that if he crossed the line that'd be it mm. you know and but the fact that he has these self imposed Rules and this code of honor that he follows, that keeps him from crossing that line, is part of the things that makes him such a compelling hero.
0: And what about the uh, the classic argument that he's just as insane as all the rest of them? Um, well,
2: he's those... obsessive, uh, probably obsessive compulsive, so but certainly obsessive <laughs> I don't think
1: he's compulsive. He's certainly driven.
2: I don't know, that need to go out every single night dressed as Batman and fight. Yeah, but he does, know, it's that's... not like
0: he touches the same thing three times and spins around in a circle. I, mean, I don't <laughs> think is, it's
3: obsessive-compulsive. There's degrees to obsessive-compulsive. Yeah, there is
2: degrees to obsessive-compulsive. No, no, but no, certainly, no, he's, no. certainly he's... Hang on, okay, well, I'm not psychotic. Yeah, so he's just just obsessive, obsessive to the right. point of being psychotic.
1: Um, I don't, but I don't think he's as insane as the Joker or Two-Face. He's traumatised, certainly. But... Their, the strong moral fibre he's got within himself prevents him from actually stepping over that line. And i say take it,
0: Alfred out of the picture, and you got yourself. And that's, and
1: that's partly uh, but why... But
2: then you've also got the Robins as well. Yeah. Take the Robins and Alfred They're out. They're easily and, <laughs> and, Gordon has,
1: and Gordon as well. A lot of the reason why he's been yeah. able to do what he does is because yeah, Gordon is the, the father does, figure. He yeah. does yeah. quite a lot of... Alfred's his best his
0: friend, and Gordon's his father
1: figure. Hmm.
0: Yeah. All right, folks, coming up to number one... Uh, I don't think it's any surprise, and we've already gone through the rest of the list, so there's there's pretty much only one person left who could possibly be. Although it should have been (laughs) Spider-Man.
3: Number
0: one,
2: Superman. Well, I've always said that Spider-Man is the Spider-Man is the hero you probably would be. Batman is the hero you kind of secretly wish you were because he's just so cool. Yeah, because he's just so cool. You know, you wish you had the money, the cars. You know, Superman though. He's the hero we should all aspire to be. He's
3: you know, just so likable.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I mean he does he does what he does because it's right. You know, he believes in justice. He believes in helping out the underdogs. He's, he's he's really just the he's the iconic figure that we should all aspire to be. He's the the hero of heroes.
0: And the fact that he does it not because he thinks that's what should happen, he does it because he honestly believes. Yeah, and he's not driven
2: by. He's not driven by obsession the way that Batman is, or you know, by the the death of his uncle the way that that Spider Man is. He just does it because it's right. Mm.
1: Yeah. The great thing about Superman is that he doesn't see his powers as a curse; he sees them as a gift, and that he believes that he can use his powers for the betterment of mankind. Mm. The fire so, that's so just down like down.
0: It's like Batman. He sees the big picture, mm. but he sees it with a completely different <laughs> slant. Yeah, on it, it, it. It's. Mm. It's part the, the inherent race. goodness of the world versus Batman, mm. oh, Batman's
1: screwed. It's also his okay. humanist, the, his humanism coming in through. He doesn't just see that you know his powers are there for him to fight evil. Mm. You know he sees his powers as being there to actually help humans. That's it, yeah.
2: Yeah, he has a gift, and that gift should be shared mm. with humanity.
0: He's a brilliant, brilliant creation, mm. and, and uh, he's not handled very well sometimes. But, but um, that
2: could be said, I think, for, for many all of, of the <laughs> heroes that we've talked about today. Yeah, I think the other amazing thing with Superman... First of all, he's started the craze of the superheroes mm-hmm. and has endured. I mean, it's now 80 years since his creation. And he's still an enduring figure today. And probably, I'd say, without a doubt, the most recognisable superhero in the world.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, anybody that sees the big red S knows exactly what it means and who it is. And, and not just... Who it is and who it represents, but what it represents, what ideals that's are represented an, by that character as well. That's
0: such an important thing that you just said. Yeah, I mean, is it, when you when you see the red s, you don't just think, "Oh, well, it's just Superman, combo character, mm. the tights." I mean, you, you get the what he's all about. Yeah, the know? truth
2: and justice and, aspect. And, yeah, it's just
0: it's brilliant, brilliant mm. stuff. But
2: um, yeah, Sup- um, Superman represents an ideal, and it's a universal ideal, yeah. I think, which is just amazing for for a character that started as you know beating up uh, you know, domestic abusers and things in a 10-cent comic book.
3: There is only one Superman for me, Christopher Reeve. <laughs> no one can replace him. And, and in my mind, that's the face I always see.
0: Yep. yep. That, I, they even started drawing him that way. Mm. But that's
1: what, exactly what John Byrne did.
2: Mm. Well, one of the great things about Christopher Reeve's performance is that he was able to perfectly embody all of the ideals that Superman is meant to represent in the way he spoke, the way he stood the confidence that he had everything about him was just reflective of what Superman is and what he stands for and what he should be
3: Also that was my first impression of Superman at a very young age so that's sort of imprinted mm. on my brain now
1: hmm. cool. As it was for probably a lot of people So Christopher yeah. was probably yeah. of our generation Christopher was probably um, yeah. everyone's first encounter
2: yeah. with, um, um,
3: with character and i found Zod very scary
2: mm. i've <laughs> spoken to people so awesome. um sort of you know who grew up in the 50s and they have the same reaction to george reeves yeah but for a similar sort of reason you know george yeah. reeves you know he's he's still embodied those ideals mm. exactly. you know the the confidence the heroism um the stoic nature of the character is all represented there and mm. that's yeah. And
0: he understood the importance of the role he was playing. Yeah. Just, I mean, he, just, he just refused just, to do certain things. And, yeah. and, he, and he, was, he was always... The kids would run up to mm-hmm. him in the street and he'd be, he'd be in character and you know, say hello. And, and mm-hmm. it's, gold, it's
2: gold to gold. the credit of the character himself that these actors were able to identify those characteristics so easily and be able to present them with such natural ease. Hmm. Uh, I think that speaks to just how great a character Superman is and how great a hero he is.
0: Yeah, going back to what you were saying before about how just how the recognisable hmm. brand that Superman is and stuff, there's actually a... And also tying into Chronicle, is that uh, Max Landis has actually done a little... Uh, like a short little documentary type thing on the on Superman called The Death and Return of Superman, I think it is. So um, we'll chuck it in the show notes, but check it out. It's on YouTube, Death and Return of Superman. It's, uh, it's pretty cool. It starts off with Max Landis like, He's Superman! <laughs> 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 Come on, people! It's pretty cool. It's uh, a bit of fun. So uh, yeah, so that's uh, NCP's top five heroes. So uh, counting down again: uh, five, we had Robin Hood; four, we had Sam Ganji and uh, Spider Man. Notice no Aragorn in this list. Yeah. Uh, three, we had Sherlock Holmes and Doctor Who.
1: Um, okay. No uh, one's going to get what you're talking about. <laughs> I get it because it's directed at me. Yes.
0: Yeah, but it's still funny. Uh, two, we had Batman, and one, we had. The man,
2: the
0: super uh, Just a couple of honorable mentions to people who didn't make the top five. Uh, uh, Rick Blaine.
2: Yes, Rick Blaine from Casablanca. Um, first of all, I'm a massive Bogart fan, which is probably why he made it in the list. But as a person who has to sacrifice everything that he wants and everything he desires and everything he has for the greater good, I think he's just a fantastic heroic story. And And, and to go from where he is at the start of the film to where he is at the end... Um, is just a fantastic hero's journey.
1: Uh, Luke Skywalker, um, almost for kind of the same reason that Spider Man's on the list. Um, in that uh, he, he is sort of the hero that we'd want to be with the, with, with his powers, but also the, the hero that we are. You know, sort of fallible, a bit whiny at times. When he um, steps up, when he, when he is actually called to take the heroic journey and when he faces his supreme ordeal he is the character that we all want to be because he's got the the powers to face his demons as much as everyone loves Han Solo and everyone wants to be Han Solo apparently really Luke's the one who um, we can actually we can actually be
0: Uh, one of my uh, honourable mentions was Sparhawk who's the uh, protagonist of the David Eddings series of novels, the Elenium and the Tamuli and uh, he's a a knight with Magical powers and and uh, basically saves the world and, mm. and fights gods and all sorts of crazy stuff. So it's a.
3: Uh, murmurs a lot. <laughs> <laughs> he uses the word murmur way too often.
0: <laughs> That's Edding's fault, though. It's not Sparhawk's fault. Don't pick on it. Don't pick on a nacker.
3: Oh, I was talking about Eddings. The
0: chosen I was one.
3: I'm saying Eddings.
0: Love more hating, but he's a major fixture of my childhood, and uh, Sparhawk is one of his. Um, most realised characters so like it's, you had the the Belgariad and the Malorian where you had you know Gary and all that sort of stuff and I think Sparhawk is where Eddie's finally got it right with the mm. whole
1: package so it's uh, very cool Well, I'll just say Sparhawk is probably the one where he actually deviated from the Tolkien Star Wars type yeah. fantasy and actually created something a little bit more original coming to his own
0: mm. yeah it's, uh, he's a cool character I also quite like uh, uh, Waylander from the David Gemmell Books. He's, uh, he's kind of like a... He's, a, he's basically half-solo, really, yeah. <laughs> when you think about it. <laughs> really, the, the, the roguish assassin. He's, uh, he's pretty cool. But uh, they, none of them good enough to make, <laughs> to make the list. <laughs> and uh, finally, one of Crystal's honourable mentions, uh, a double bill, Agents Mulder and Scully.
3: Yes. right. you can't pick one over the other because they work as a team separately. They don't work quite as well.
0: They're a yeah, double act.
2: They're, well, they're, they're, it's really one story... About the two of them together. Yeah. yeah. So even yeah. when even when Mulder goes, so much of the story is about what's happened to Mulder. That. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Well, I love Mulder's uh, imagination and his, his eccentric ways, but Scully's got this um, critical mind that pulls him back and puts him on yeah. the right track.
2: Until so then, she starts to Scully's, believe. Well, Scully, Scully grounds Mulder a lot. Yeah.
3: yeah. But Scully needs the evidence to believe.
2: That's right.
0: Yeah. That's what. I, yeah. That's what I like about it. She's like, well, look, I'm, I'm willing to give it a shot. As long as you can prove it to me. Yeah. When she's got the proof in her face, it's like, well, there you go. You like, so, so, so,
2: often she's, the so often truth. she's locked out of the room when stuff is happening. I love, I love, I love it to be in the movie, actually, on. she's
0: unconscious in the snow and <laughs> this giant spaceship. Yeah. I was like,
2: she misses everything. Come on!
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's a giant spaceship. It's the true
3: definition of an open mind. She doesn't just take anything for granted she mm. needs to see the proof but then she won't stubbornly stick to her opinion when she has seen the proof either. Yeah, that's right.
2: She's and well, she goes through a great journey accepted. in that regard mm. to the point where towards the last few seasons of the show she has actually become the believer mm. and she ends up, uh, when Mulder disappears, she ends up fulfilling the Mulder role mm. which um, I think is fantastic
0: And still manages to keep him grounded because yeah. he just goes a bit odd <laughs> And <so laughs> She's like, alright, I believe what you're saying but let's just calm down <laughs> and we'll sort of work it out Alright, cool well, listeners, I hope you enjoyed the, our uh, top five heroes as much as we did. It was a lot of fun putting it all together. It's actually kind of hard, I found. Mm. I, I
2: found it was much harder than doing the
0: villains. Yeah, mm. I didn't yeah. villains. Cause everybody loves the villains. Yeah, you just whip jaws out like in two seconds. Mm. Whereas uh, I, I, I took a good week to try and figure Do out. Do you why.
3: know what I did for inspiration? I, I googled images, fictional heroes, and in the middle of all the all the images was a picture of Oprah. Oprah. Oprah's a fictional hero. fictional hero. <laughs>
2: we can be heroes just for one day with
3: Oprah. Oh <laughs> well, No, she's a fictional
2: hero. She's just created herself.
3: Yeah, created
2: her own. <laughs> yeah. And hey, so, uh, if you've got your top five, let us know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, man. Did I just jump ahead of you? And that's what I was just about to say. <laughs> Sorry, like, man. No, that's
0: good. That's fine. I'm cool with it. Um, yeah. So yeah, let us know. Um, send in some uh, feedback of your top five heroes. Love to hear from you. Coming up next. Coming soon. <laughs> Okay, so coming to our local cinemas, February ninth is the release of Shame, starring Michael Fassbender, Magneto, in a different role. Safe House, starring uh, Ryan Reynolds and Denzel Denzel Washington. Yeah,
2: it could be interesting. It's hard to say from the trailers. It looks a lot like a Tony Scott film,
0: and a film that is guaranteed to make some dollars and is just a blatant excuse to. Fill up a bank account. Star Wars Episode 1. The Phantom Menace in 3D.
2: Well, why not? Stop meddling.
0: I know. Just leave him alone, George.
2: Well, I mean, everybody else is releasing their movies in 3D. Do we say the same thing about James Cameron and his Titanic in 3D? Yes.
1: (laughs) We do. Even more so. If it
0: comes out in 3D, then that's fine. But to re-release it in 3D? What the hell?
2: Well, I mean, I hate 3D anyway. But if it attracts new viewers and gets kids into the Star Wars universe and helps, you know, propagate Star Wars for a new generation, then I've got no problem with that. Yeah,
3: but nowadays we have all this stuff sitting on the shelf. We don't need to bring the movie out again. It's not like in the olden days where you had to wait for it to come on TV and and before even VCRs, you couldn't even record it.
2: See, I'm all for seeing Star Wars again at the cinema.
3: Talking about a brilliant Star Wars to a new
0: generation Which is probably the real reason why this is happening But uh, uh, there's an awesome YouTube clip of uh, two kids They're quite young Watching Empire Strikes Back for the first time And their reaction Hmm. when The the big reveal It's uh, it's pure magic Just their reaction They're
2: just like We had a similar thing recently We showed uh, Stephen, our housemate uh, Planet of the Apes for the first time and he did not know what the ending was. Oh, my God, really? And so when it gets to the ending, yeah. he was shocked. It was fantastic to see. That's brilliant.
0: Anyway, uh, February 16 then sees the release of The Grey, which is Liam Neeson versus Nature, and notably a bunch of wolves. Uh, my Week with Marilyn, a uh, Oscar contender for young Michelle Williams. And 30 Minutes or Less, which stars that social network guy, i suddenly forgotten his name Who gets uh, bomb strapped to him And told to go rob a bank It uh, doesn't sound Very interesting To be honest with you. Uh, And as usual MCP's favourite cinema The Aster Is a great selection Of films uh, Including the family Friendly double The Muppets And Real Steel
2: Which I'll be going to
0: Really? Yep Yeah we saw Real Steel Not too long ago And uh, mm. I quite enjoyed it
2: I haven't actually seen Either film yet So I thought Since it's on at the Aster it Makes good double
0: It is a good double That's on February eighteenth, So yep. uh, Yeah And that's it for coming soon. Okay, so before we finish up, uh, I just want to do a special feedback section. Um, We recently got a review on iTunes uh, from Mr. Nicholas Thompson that was... Well, the title is very critical. And uh, so I just want to just have a few comments on it. Um, First, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to write uh, this review. It's quite quite extensive. It's, it's It's a few paragraphs um so uh thank you for not making it um a personal attack i mean it's it's it is a negative review it, it's uh it's a uh, one star and uh but it's not personal at no time does it go uh you know horrible and you know mention any names or anything like that so um thank you very very much for that but also thank you for uh feeling strongly enough that you you know take for taking the time to actually get to write it down and let us know your thoughts there's plenty of other podcasts out there that you know that do our sort of thing and and review and stuff and we obviously we think we're unique in our you know our stamp on it but um, if I mean the fact that you've given it um, 17 episodes before you come to this and have decided to move on I actually respect that and it's um, why waste your time listening to something you don't want to listen to so I mean hopefully you listen listening to this <laughs> so that you can get you know a response uh, from your review um, and if you are cool I mean I hope you enjoyed the show and if you didn't then um and yeah, thank you uh, for taking the time the time to listen to the first seventeen. If you did enjoy the show, then please continue on. We'd love to have you um It's a shame that you didn't uh send it through as an email so I could respond to you personally, but uh hopefully this makes up for it like in a special mention on the on the podcast itself uh so again, uh, thank you it's our first um it's our first sort of majorly negative review, so it's actually so I'll be honest when we first got it, it was a bit of a shock. Um, but, uh, we've all responded to it quite favorably and, and well,
2: it's, it's, nice get, on board. Yeah. It, it's nice to get, yeah, uh, it's nice to get a little bit of balance in the reviews. I mean, mm-hmm. we've been very fortunate to date that most of the reviews have been positive. So it's nice to get sort of the converse to that and, uh, to hear what somebody who actually doesn't like the show says. And, and the fact is, as, uh, David said, you've given us a chance, mm-hmm. we haven't worked for you. And, uh, yeah, you'll be moving on to something else. So
3: I get the pre- impression from the tone of the review that Nicholas had been building up to this for quite some time. So I would have mm. liked to have he- heard some feedback from him earlier on if he disagreed with a specific review or something to have sent us an email or um, put on the Facebook site or Twitter us or something and say, no, I disagree with what you said there. And this is what I think. Mm. I would have liked to hear that.
0: Yeah, that would have been cool. I mean, what, what actually? Yeah, what actually got to this point? And so, I'd, like, so.
2: I'd love to hear that from other listeners as well. Yeah, they, you know, we, a, we love all
0: feedback here at, at you Neoculture know, Podcast. We, we love. I have mean, said I've mentioned before I'm going to open up the outlook, and, and there they are, and she just makes my day. It's awesome. It's um, you know negative or positive or you know balanced in between whatever the case may be. It. It's,
3: it's just because uh, uh, Luke's the harshest critic in the world doesn't mean you're all, not allowed to disagree with him. and
2: Because <laughs> cool.
3: we make, we do. <laughs> yeah, and I keep saying, you're wrong. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so thank you, Nicholas, for taking the time.
0: Awesome, and uh, that brings me to how to get in touch with us. Um, you can contact us by email at feedback at nerdculturepodcast.com. dot or post on our Facebook wall at www.facebook.com slash nerdculturepodcast, or tweet us at nerdculturecast, or you can leave a comment on any of the posts on our website at www.nerdculturepodcast.com. And don't forget to rate us and review us on iTunes, just like Nicholas did, um, and subscribe to the podcast. So that's it for this episode. Hope you enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. Spider-Man should be number one. So that's right. Say hello V. Uh, tune in to our next episode for A Dust Jacket on 1984 by George Orwell. Are you excited,
2: Richard? I'm very excited. And interesting choice? This book. Absolutely.
0: It's a, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and a roundtable, the newly christened feature roundtable, uh, thank you, Luke, on the 84th Academy Awards. I'm really looking forward to this with... Uh, the, uh, we've been to the movies uh, multiple times we're over the Doing our homework <laughs> Since the last podcast it's, uh, So we're, so we're going to review uh, the major categories uh, Film, director, best actor, best actress uh, Basically which ones we want to win And uh, which ones we think the Academy will pick We're
3: trying not to make it as long as the actual Oscars
0: themselves It definitely won't be as long as the actual <laughs> Oscars themselves You are right That'll be out in time for the Academy Awards themselves so you can uh, hear our opinions and uh, then see whether we were right or wrong and whether you agree or disagree. So thanks to the crew. Crystal. Thank you. Richo.
2: I do whatever a spider can.
0: I hope that's not true. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that means, oh. this
0: is, yeah, that's pretty disgusting. Let's see. I can, spider, catch flies up.
2: I can catch thieves just like flies. Does that count?
0: <laughs> yeah, I guess that does count. Melbourne's own Phoenix jerseys. <laughs> And Luke. Spider-Man,
1: ranked far too highly.
0: Oh, controversy.
2: That should have been the war room.
0: (laughs) Bye, everybody.
2: Bye-bye.
1: Bye. Farewell. just you
0: know nothing justifies genocide it really really annoys me it's like in the time machine like he's all upset about the Eloy being <laughs> uh, being the, it's like oh no not the Eloy. it's only because he's got the hots for one of them otherwise he wouldn't <laughs> give a rat but then, then the, the warlocks it's like oh no they're evil they're not evil they're just doing exactly the same thing the Eloi are doing they're trying to survive but then he wipes them out without even mm. thinking twice
1: about it so getting back to Sherlock Holmes, <laughs> <laughs> nice just
3: because um, they're not
0: pretty blonde girls